Welcome to the Down the Slope podcast with myself, Ewan, and once again we are joined by Greg and Harry. Evening. Hello. On this week's episode, we'll be discussing the defeat at Celtic Park this Friday's game at home to Hamilton, as well as nominating our high view of the week post the Celtic game. We will have the fourth instalment of Harry's high view quiz, and we'll also be rounding up the transfer activity at Easter Road in the last week with a couple of players leaving and a few rumours in the last 24 hours. So, obviously, um, I don't know if you guys managed to catch the game. Um, I was lucky enough to get a season ticket login for myself at Planet Work, so I managed to watch the game. Um, what did what did you make of the game on Sunday? I thought that we didn't play badly. We maybe just didn't we didn't finish our chances that we had. Um, we were a wee bit naive at the back, felt like we were a bit, a wee bit sloppy in, in defence at times, but do you know what I mean? You go to Celtic Park and uh, we were talking about it last week, anything you get is a bonus. We were quite confident going into the game, but yeah, I just felt like it happened that I think Neil Lennon touched on it that Celtic played the best they've played all season uh, the week that we turn up, which is unfortunate. But yeah, I don't think we should, don't think we should read too much into that, to be honest. Uh, for me, um, obviously, going to Celtic Park, I like to be the optimist when it comes to being a Hibs fan. Um, I think I was probably a bit delusional thinking that we could um, get quite a solid result out of the game. Uh, unfortunately, with Celtic being a bit crap, um, I couldn't actually watch it. I didn't have any Celtic season ticket holders that could give me a thing. Listening to on the radio, I felt like first half we came out, created quite a few chances. Nothing clear-cut, though, which is frustrating. But, um, yeah, compared to Rangers last week, I don't think there was quite as much fight this game. I don't know if it was because we were away from home as opposed to at home. But, yeah, as Greg said, Celtic just looked like a different animal to the way they've been playing for the rest of the season. They played really poor midweek against that Liga team and they came out and absolutely romped up against us. Um, the only goal I could really complain at, um, the second goal, I think Marciano probably should have got you. If you're pushing a ball, you need to push it anywhere apart from the middle of the box. Porteous for the first goal, sloppy pass. If you do a sloppy pass at Celtic Park, you're going to get punished. And the third goal, I think... Shane Duffy made a great block for Celtic and then they go up the other end, counter-attack Hibs players um, after attacking were all over the place, so they just took advantage of that and ended the game. So I don't think there's really too much to complain about. we just second-best team on the day. Yeah, I think in the first half we were um, pretty decent. Like, we, like you said, we weren't anywhere close to the levels that we probably were at against Rangers. Um Maybe that's been a bit clouded by the second half, but I thought I definitely felt at half time that two 0 flattered Celtic. Um, they only really had one proper chance. McGregor's goal was obviously a really good strike. That's, and I don't count that's not a chance for me. That's a great hit and it's in the back of the net. And then the chance they created and they scored from it. And for me, Dodge and Nisbet both definitely Dodge should have scored. Um, I've there's no other option. He's went for the near post and he's missed, but he should score. He's also got Boyle coming in behind him where he could have laid off to Boyle and he would have had a very sort of clear shot on goal. Um, and for me, that is why we lost the game on on Sunday. We just weren't clinical enough in the chances that we got. 
um, which isn't like us, I don't think, this season. Um, we haven't been creating barrel loads of chances. We've been playing some good football, but we have been pretty deadly when the chances have come, other than against sort of Motherwell and Celtic now, um, which is disappointing. Um, but the first half, I felt we were decent. Second half, especially, it was, the second half was similar to the second half, the first 20-odd minutes against Rangers. We looked quite leggy at the start of the second half. Whereas against Rangers, we managed to tweak it and get really get back sort of on top of the game. Against Celtic, we didn't manage it. Um, and to be fair, we started to have a goal um, just before Celtic scored. Newell had um, a couple of good chances in the second half. The first one, he sort of just wafted his left foot at it um, and it went over the bar. When If he got a better solid contact on it from that distance that he was at, he's probably... It'd have to be a great save for the keeper. If he, if he gets a good contact it's on target, it'll be a goal. And he's had a chance at the edge of the box where he's tried to sort of place it similar to St Mirren and totally got under it. And then, like you touched on, Nisbet had a volley that looked like it was only going in the back of the net and a great block. Celtic got there in the park and less than a minute later, they, they've scored. And for me, that just summed, summed up the 90 minutes. Hibs created half chances and just didn't take them. And Celtic took their chances. And to be honest, they, they ran out deserved winners especially in the second half. Celtic were very, very good in the second half. And I don't think you should be surprised at Celtic playing well and playing very well at home, but it was comfortably the best they've played this season. And I think if you catch Celtic on a day like that, then any team in the country is going to struggle to take points off them. None of us like saying it's a free hit against the old firm, but if we continue to take the points where we should be taking the points and the games that we should be winning comfortably, we can afford to play Celtic and Rangers back-to-back and take a point. That should set us in good stead to finish third. Um, is there anything else that you really want to add? Um, obviously, it was it was hard to watch the game um, with Celtic not offering the pay-per-view option. Is there much more that you want to, to talk about? Was there anyone that disappointed you? The main thing, it's, not really, it's more of the fans' reaction after the game. There's quite a few people saying things like, we really need to get an extra two or three players in if we want to confirm third. If we bring in an extra two or three players to start in our lineup, they're not going to start for Celtic. So, like, this whole myth of, oh, we played crap against Celtic and Rangers, we need to um, sharpen up the squad if we want to compete for third. If we want to compete for third, we need to be beating Aberdeen and Motherwell. We don't need to be beating Celtic and Rangers. As we said, we were confident going into the game because Celtic have looked a bit miffy this season. And Hibs, um, especially after last week's game, we've looked quite strong. But the players we're looking to sign are the players like the Doherty's of the world and the McCrory's of the world, or like Lee Griffiths. Like, or like David Turnbull, for example, went to Celtic and he's starting on their bench every week. If he came to Hibs, he'd be our best player comfortably. Like, There's just a massive gulf. Long bangers, I think, up a thing saying that Celtic squad is calculated at roughly 78 million and had to squad roughly like 8 million or something, maybe less than that. Literally it's like zero. Like, 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 the thing is, we, we need to try and be competitive. There's no reason why we shouldn't be. You see teams like PSG, they've kind of monopolized their league and Juventus and stuff, and they'll still lose games throughout the season. It's the same with Celtic. But we just need to get it in our heads. Celtic and Rangers have got a lot more money than us in if you spend the money correctly, which they've been doing in the recent years, they're going to be better than us. And there's not really much we can do about it. Apart from, I'd like a bit more fight than we put up on Sunday. But apart from that, there's not really much you can ask for. Yeah, one I thing. I, I think with, with the action um, to the game, I felt like a lot of people were like, do you know what? Celtic played well, a lot of that. Um, but I also felt like we were quite critical 
I don't know if people expect us to be challenging Celtic for the title or what, but you know, we, we can't really compete with Celtic, if we're honest. We just need to hope we catch them off on a, on a bad day. Um, Celtic can go out and spend silly money and we mainly have to rely on fees and minimal transfer fees. So I think we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves. It was one of those games Celtic turned up. We, we didn't really turn up in the second half. Over the two games against the old firm, we've turned up for 90 minutes and 45 minutes. So I think we, should, we can definitely take a lot from that. But yeah, I think Celtic just have too much for us. And I think it's it, not a shame to, to um, admit that. Yeah, I think a couple of things that have been said after the game, I think it's quite harsh mm. on, on the team uh, even on Jack Ross as well. Um, one thing that I noticed was, oh, you, you can't just afford to write games off against the old firm if you want to finish third comfortably. Well, one, even if you beat Celtic and Rangers, you're not going to finish third comfortably. Aberdeen will be there. Motherwell look like they're, obviously they were poor against Rangers, but they'll probably get their stuff together. I do think we'll be quite a bit ahead of them come the end of the season but even if you beat Celtic and Rangers you're not going to be comfortably ahead of Aberdeen at any point and the argument that you need to be taking points off the old firm doesn't really stand up considering Aberdeen routinely get scalped by Celtic and Rangers especially Celtic like especially away from home I think like Aberdeen have only won once at Celtic Park in the last five, six seasons that I can remember. And that was the last day of the season, the week before a Scottish Cup final. Like, and I think they've beat Rangers a couple of times, but I don't think they've beat Rangers sort of under Gerrard or anything like that. Um, and quite frankly, Rangers are a different beast now as they were under Mark Warburton and Katrina and Marty and stuff like that. They're night and day. And I've seen people try to compare Jack Ross to like Heckenbottom and people saying that, oh, Alan Stubbs and... Um, Neil Lennon went to the old firm and had a goal. Well, we were better than Rangers when Alan Stubbs was manager. We were a better team with better players. Like, mm. obviously, in the second season, Rangers won the league and they got their shit together. But on pay, like, our team was equally as good, if not better, 1 to 11. And so, of course, you were going to have a goal. And Stubbs never played Celtic. So that myth doesn't hold up. And then under Neil Lennon, I think we drew at Celtic part once. So you're talking yeah. one point in the games at Celtic Park. And then under Heckenbottom and under Lennon and Stubbs, obviously we're just Rangers, we did take points at Easter Road. And we just took points off Rangers last weekend under Jack Ross. So to say that, oh, Jack Ross is more a hecky style against the old firm, Hibs are just hoping that we're going to take points. It's a nonsense. Like, we... Whether, <laughs> Neil Lennon didn't have us routinely winning in Glasgow. We beat Rangers twice under them, but they were tight games. They could have went either way. Rangers, I straight said it before, they're a completely different club now in terms of their quality and the financial backing that they have now and compared to two or three years ago. Like They're talking about selling Morelos for 10, 15, 20 million pounds. If we were well, our most profitable players, Boyle, and even with his new contract, you're probably talking nobody would even consider paying more than 2 million for him probably. Like, I, I just, it really annoys me when people, oh, have, we just go to Celtic Park or against the old firm at home and we, we hope there's no, no belief. Like, it's a nonsense. We literally just took points off Rangers the week before. Like, and I, I don't understand where this Jack Dawes bashing's coming from. 
I honestly don't. I mean, it seems like no matter what he does, folk are trying to bash him. Like, they're waiting for him to do something wrong to go to slate him. I, I don't get it. I think <clears throat> Jack Ross got everything spot on last week. I think at the weekend, we just kind of ran out of steam. Maybe didn't he turn up for the second half, but that, that's going to happen. We, we're not going to finish third by taking maximum points off the old firm every time. We're going to finish third by beating teams like Motherwell, Aberdeen, and, and teams like Hamilton that we struggle against. If we beat these teams, that's how we'll finish third. We're not going to finish third by taking points against the old firm, home and away. That, that, that's a nonsense. That's what Aberdeen have done very well over the last few years. They they don't drop points against St Mirren away, Hamilton away. They, how many times do you see Aberdeen win one nil away away to like a Hamilton or whatever? Like their record against Kelly at Rugby Park is phenomenal. Like they, I don't think Derek McInnes has lost his Aberdeen manager at Kelly. Like that, that's where you finish third and fourth in the A games. Yeah. And by doing that, it becomes a bit of a free hit. If you don't do that, then the pressure comes against Celtic and Rangers. But I don't think we should get too hung up on that. Moving in to Friday night's game, um, I think we would all agree that it is a game we need to win. Um, just to, I think it bookends this period. We said beat St Mirren, go into the old firm, come back out of it. You've got Hamilton, then Ross County after the international break in the League Cup games. And that brings to a close the first quarter of the season. I think beating Hamilton is essential. Harry, what what do you think? Do you think we'll see some changes um, on Friday night? It's difficult. I think after he was a bit isolated and he didn't really pull much out, especially compared to what he'd done the week before, Wright was a bit um, missing, I think, would be the word to describe it at Celtic Park. So I think Murphy definitely needs to step in and get a start, especially because he'll be a bit fresher having uh, not started on Sunday. But I don't think there needs to really be a system change because if you look at it on paper, the in my opinion, the top five teams in the league is the Old Farm, Aberdeen, Motherwell and Hibs. And if you take away those four teams, we've won every single game we've played. So just keep going at the same system and keep on attacking teams that are lesser than us. Because as you say, if we can, if we do that throughout the entire season, we'd potentially be challenging second because Rangers will start slipping up at Christmas like they always do. So, you know, like, as you say, we're in a good place. So I think Hamilton, though, it's, as I said, um, the next four games after playing... Um, Celtic and Rangers have wanted to get at least six points out of the 12, considering St. Mern and Hamilton were a part of that. So if we beat Hamilton, that's an extra point on top of what I was hoping for. So I think we definitely should beat Hamilton, but as Greg touched on, we've not got the best record when it comes to teams that we really should be beating. And obviously on Hamilton, just they've, you're looking at their form, looking at where they are on the table, it just screams Hamilton. They're sitting yeah. They've played eight games, they've won two, drawn one, lost five. So you're not a great start, but their wins have been away to Livingston and away to Motherwell. Uh-huh. And the only teams that have beat them by more than one goal are Celtic and Rangers. Celtic beat them comfortably at Celtic Park on the first day of the season, and Rangers beat them 2-0. Other than that, they've not lost a game by more than one goal. They obviously can stay in games. They've scored in their last three games. And they've won away at Livingston, which is seen as a tough place to go. Maybe not so much this year. They've not been as good at home. And they've won at Motherwell, which, again, they maybe caught Motherwell at a good time. But it shows that they can grind out results. And for me, that just screams Hamilton. And also, you look at their team, and it changes week on week. There's players that, you obviously, maybe other than like David Templeton, 
um, and maybe Scott Martin from a Hibs point of view, you, you're not really that aware of the rest of the players in their team either because they just chop and change and they grind out results. What, what do you expect from him on, on Friday, Greg? Quite a stuffy performance, I think. Um, I think it'll be the usual Hamilton we'll see. <clears throat> you know, like Brian Rice sets his teams up pretty well, I would say. Um, he's obviously got wins away at Motherwell and Livingston, so you know, I think he, he knows how to play away from home. Um, I'd like, I'd like to see us go with three-five-two. You know, try and try and pin them in almost. Um, put put them on the back foot and, and put the pressure on. Um, but yeah, I think we will see quite a stuffy Hamilton performance, maybe more focused around counter-attack from, from their point of view. So, I would, yeah, I would like to see us go 3-5-2 um, and probably Murphy in the 10 for Dre Wright. Um, and obviously, same team that, that started, but yeah, I would, I would probably put Murphy in the 10. I think he just maybe adds a wee bit more for us in there than Dre Wright did against Celtic. Yeah, and I think something that we maybe expected at Celtic Park was Josh Doig potentially to be dropped. Um, obviously, he came off at half-time and he has only completed 90 minutes in three games this season. Um, I think it's Dundee United, Livingston, and there was another one, I think. And maybe St. Johnston was the other one. And he... It's it's a weird one. If you thought he was going to be dropped, you'd think he'd be dropped at Celtic Park. Do you think he will keep his place in the team on Friday night, Harry? I think it's just something that we've kind of struggled with over the years with players coming through is we kind of just throw them in the deep end and expect the world of them after one good performance off the bench. But I quite like it. It's just like he's shielding them because as time goes on in a game, you get more tired and that's when you're most likely to make mistakes. So Ross is just trying to take him off before he's prone to making these errors. I think at Celtic Park and against Rangers, you've got some of the best players in the league. So obviously, it's going to be more difficult to deal with. So bringing on an experienced player like Stevenson to deal with those types of players, I think, was the right idea from Ross. So I wouldn't expect him to be dropped to the bench. I think he'll keep on starting. And again, if he looks like he's tired or whatever, I think taking him off straight away is definitely the right thing to do, especially when you've got the extra couple of subs this season that you can play with. So I think Ross is definitely just trying to bleed him into the team, but being careful with it. Yeah, for me, I think... Um, I definitely felt like starting Stevenson maybe would have been a bit of a better option against Celtic, especially if someone like Frimpong's just pure pace. You've seen obviously in the second half that Stevenson, um, Frimpong didn't get much success against him. Frim, uh, Stevenson just used his experience, maybe not getting as tight, step off a little bit, completely show him down the line and just basically back himself to just go with him. Whereas Doy, because he, I think he's quite a front foot, sort of left back, left wing back, sometimes maybe trying to intercept passes, nick the ball quickly, almost thinking about getting ahead before just doing the defending first. But I think it might be a good time just to pull him out, um, start Stevenson and then bring him back in in the League Cup group games because you're going to see a lot of rotation in their games and then basically just then sort of go again against Ross County after that. So I just think, I think we might see Lewis Stevenson come in at left back if we play 3-5-2, I think we need to stick with Josh Doig. I think he'll offer you more than Stevenson in a 3-5-2. But I do expect us to go back to 4-4-2 uh, with Jamie Murphy coming in on the left and play Sidre right. Um, just because we've played our best football quite this season, 4-4-2. Um, so I think it'll be back to what we played against St Mirren um, with potentially Lewis Stevenson in for Josh Doig. Um, 
I think Hamilton will try and play. Um, Brian Rice has sort of obviously worked with John Hughes for loads of years, so he likes his team to try and play football and score goals. And hopefully that works in our favour. Hopefully with the pace of Boyle, the sort of technical ability and Murphy in the front too, that hopefully find our shooting boots again. I think we could score a couple of goals against Hamilton. A nice early goal to settle us in, and I think we'll be on the way to a good three points. What about yourself, Greg? Yeah. You know, I think we have played some of our best football in 4-4-2, which, which is quite upsetting, to be honest. Um, I'm a 3-5-2 man all the way, but yeah, no, I think like that, that game against St Marin, you know, we're 4-4-2, I think, before the game, we're a bit like, oh, what's this? But um, yeah, possibly 4-4-2 is the best way to go. Uh, Jimmy Murphy out wide, um, looking to feed the, the two strikers and boil on the other wing. Um, but yeah, look, I think it'll be interesting. Um, it's a totally different game to, to the Celtic one and I think we should try and take the game to Hamilton. Um, probably not a bad shot about them looking to come and play. Um, I think we'll either see Stuffy or or them coming to play, but I sort of think we should look to attack them and, and get out of them early doors and, as you say, um, get an early goal, sell us into the game, be a bit of confidence about us and then we can get in our stride and, and go from there. But, yeah, I'd, I would like to see us go for it on Friday. And if I was to push for a score prediction? Well off already this season, so... Um, I'd possibly look for 3-1. Um, yeah, I think 3-1. I'd, I'd like to see us keep a clean sheet, but I just think that... looks looked a bit fragile at the back last week, so... Um, possibly 3-1 for me. Well, Harry? And, well, if you exclude the old firm... We are still the not conceding from open goal champions of the world. So I'm going to go for a cheeky wee 2 0. I think against Hamilton, if you're 1 0 up, you're as well being 1 all because Hamilton don't lose to Hibs by one goal. So I think we'll get the second goal and these are nerves, and I think it'll be a crap second half. So 2 0 half time, 2 0 final score. Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same thing. And I, I think Jack Ross and the players will really want to get back to keeping clean sheets. I think. You could see that obviously all players are frustrated, but I've liked this season when we concede goals that we really it really seems to annoy us. And you could, like, and I think they'll really want to get back to keeping a clean sheet here. Um, I think two 0 as well, to be honest. That and I think what'll be interesting is Hamilton at home last season, maybe other than the Rangers game, the first forty five minutes was the worst we played under Jack Ross. Obviously, Halberg and Slavka got hooked at half-time. So, I think this will be a, a bit of a comparison just to see how far we've come under Jack Ross from sort of even the, just the back end of last season. He's had a pre-season, brought in some of his own players. So, hopefully that's, hopefully that's not a bad omen and hopefully we go and put on a good performance and it'll sort of book stamp just how much progress that we, we've made under him. And obviously, just one other thing... Um, with Hamilton, we will touch on it a bit later, but also Ben Sterling has left the club and signed for Hamilton um, this week. Like I say, we will touch on it a bit later, but it be interesting to see if he goes straight into their squad. Um, he's obviously only played a handful of games at championship level, but he is 22, so I'd imagine Hamilton are signing him for, his first, for the first team. Are you disappointed to see him go? Or I felt like... It's maybe the right time to move him on. Um, 
disappointing. You know, he always seemed to <clears throat> seem to be a good prospect, but I think you know the age he is now, twenty two. He's never really had a run in the first team. I don't think he would have made it in the first team, to be honest. Um, but yeah, and I think I think moving him on to bring someone else in is is the right is the right move for us. I uh, and for me, like um, it's one of those things. I think if he had maybe if he had a t- run in the team, it's kind of like Fraser Murray and Josh Campbell. Like they're all players that could potentially get in with the right system, but I just don't think the system we've got in the midfield at the moment leaves enough there for young players to make an impact. Maybe in the League Cup, we'll see some of these types of players get a run out. But yeah. If you're getting to 22, it's the type of age that you want them to have already had like 15, 20 games in the first team. You don't really want to start bleeding them in by the time they're 23, or you're just kind of wasting the rest of the spots. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it makes sense for probably everyone involved. I think, if, I think let's say we'll touch on it later, but Fraser Murray from every, all the sort of murmurs coming out of the club seems to be a bit of a different situation. Obviously, he is only on loan, but... Um, yeah, I think Ben Sterling, it makes sense. Um, he'll obviously want to take that next step into getting first-team football in his career. I doubt he's on that big a wage, but frees up some cash for Hibs, frees up a sort of space in the squad. And, yeah, it just makes sense. You, there's no point, and though I say dead wood, but there's no point in having players hanging about. It's not, it doesn't make sense for Hibs, and it certainly doesn't make sense for the player. So, yeah, hopefully... Hopefully, he doesn't come off the bench and score the winning goal on Friday night, which would be typical. But um, hopefully, we see a good performance on Friday night and we get back to winning ways and then go into League Cup games and we see, see where that goes. And also, today it was announced that Ryan Portress has been called up to the Scotland national squad. I think we're all in agreement that that's more than deserved. Um, Harry, are you, are you surprised by his call up and maybe any other players that maybe you thought from Hibs that would be in the squad? I, I think it's definitely warranted. I'm still surprised that Gallagher's remained in the squad because I think he's really struggled to start the season out. So I think that if he's in the squad, then Port just more than deserves to be in there. Um, I think that Hanlon, with Gallagher being in there, could potentially feel a bit hard feel a bit hard done by. And also, um, with Shanklin scoring less goals than him, I think Nisbet could potentially feel a bit hard done by. But yeah, I think Port just definitely warranted it. So yeah, fair play to him. Um, yeah, for me, I think not... It is a surprise, but it's not at the same time. Um, I think it's folk have kind of been calling for it um, for a while. I think most people, excluding a, a certain group of fans, are in agreement that he should be called up. Um, in terms of other Hibs players, Paul Hanlon, I would say. Um, Declan Gallagher hasn't been good this season so far. Not really sure why he's in the squad, to be honest. Um but again, look, you know, Steve Clark. But I also find it quite harsh that Nisbet's not in the squad. Um, he's been scoring goals for fun. You look at the other strikers he's got in. Ireland Shankland not really been doing the business, to be honest. Um, rather than Lyndon Dykes, I would say. So possibly Nisbet, but i um, going to mention him again. Paul McGinn uh, should be in the squad without a doubt because... Solid 10 out of 10 every week. I think, <laughs> think Poachers definitely deserves his place in the squad. It was still, I think I agree. I was, I was still slightly surprised that he got it, just because I never expect the Hibs players to get called up for one reason or another, which is maybe quite harsh. But Does he play for Hibs? Quite cynical. But Paul Hanlon, yeah, I think 
I mean, if Ryan Portress can get in, then Paul Hanlon should be able to get in. You know what I mean? That's the partnership. Um, I, I can sort of understand why Gallagher's still in there, just sort of continuity and stuff like that. But, yeah, he's not been playing that well. Um, maybe not, maybe not favouritism, but just continuity, I think, Clark's went for. Nisbet, I think, has just been a... He has just suffered from the fact that Shanklin's been in the squad before, I think. Um, however, I had a feeling that he might have got in. Um, because you've got the two Nations League games after the Israel game as well. If it was just the playoff, then I would sort of understand going like sort of tried and tested. But I guess it's they're not friendlies, but they are friendlies basically. Um, and the fact he's called up a bigger squad as well, maybe now it's a wee bit hard done to. But as much maybe like I think we all think McBurney's decent, but like obviously you've got Burke and McBurney who are playing in the Premiership, like. And Dykes has done well. He's done well in the last squad. He's doing all right down at QPI and he scored a couple of goals. So obviously Shanklin scored two and two. I think if Shanklin hadn't scored two and two on his return from injury, then there really would have been some surprise in this, but not getting called up. But I think he's definitely banging on the door. If he can just maybe score a couple more goals, I'm not sure the next time the national team meet up, um, probably in the new year. But if he's still on form, I think he's definitely smashing on the door to get into the squad. And with Ryan Portress getting into the Scotland squad, it obviously adds value to him um, for any time that people want to cash in on him. Hopefully he gets a couple of caps. And more importantly for Ryan Portress, he won Highby of the Week last week, which was an absolute given. <laughs> um, so, Greg, that's you... Your nominees have won twice. Harry's nominees have won twice, and I have had one winner of Highby of the Week. I am. And there was you slagging me, saying I was falling behind. <laughs> so how the tables have turned. Harry, who are you going for this week? Well, as we know, everybody was a bit crap. The team choice was a bit crap, so we've kind of ruled out everybody. And as I said, I didn't actually watch the game live because I couldn't get a stream or anything. But watching the highlights back, one thing did shine out to me. That Hibs goalie kit is absolutely banging. So my high B of the week is the pink Hibs keeper top because it looks absolutely cracker on Marciano every time he wears it. It is, it is lovely, to be fair. It might get... Uh, we've obviously got fives up and going every every Friday now, so which has been moved for the Hibs game on Friday night. So <laughs> it, might have, out there. it might be getting purchased uh, for fives, I have to say. Greg, who are you nominating? Uh, I'm actually going to nominate Harry. Oh! Um, because we're quite fun in this season, um, and he's finally managed to pronounce Dre Wright's name correctly. It isn't Drew, <laughs> as in Drew Barrymore, it is Dre. So um, I'm going to nominate Harry, just, just for being able to, to read properly, really. Oh, wait, so, can well I well done to Harry. Anything so, to exploit, because this, this could be a double win for me. Oh, no, I, I, I don't know what you're going to say. I was just a bit. I I hadn't thought about. To be honest with you, I hadn't thought about high B the week at all uh, since Sunday. And <laughs> when 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 Greg said you, I thought it was going to be because you had you and Murray on the ropes, man. Oh, <laughs> I haven't looked. I mean, you did. The the boy, he absolutely ran rings around him. To be honest, and Leanne Dempster and Hibbs transfer policy definitely keep him up at night. <laughs> Aye, with I mean, substantial I'm, bids I may add I'm all for people like the rivalry and stuff but that guy I don't know the times 
the Times must seriously like question his journalism capabilities, surely. But it is what it is, but you... Stick to the golf, Mr Murray. <laughs> but you well and truly had him on the ropes, Harry. So that was absolutely... What is it they like to say? That was very pleasing. Um, so for me, high be the week. I'll try and bring it back to the team as much as possible. Um, the top of my head, I don't know how I'm going to do it. <laughs> Good luck. Somebody's I'll, boots off something there. I think I'll, I'll, go for, <laughs> I'll, I'll go for Lewis Stevenson. He came on and look, he didn't do anything spectacular. He did give us a, an option um, down the left. He he nullified Frimpong in the second half, especially after the time that he'd given Josh Doig in the first half. And he Nearly got an assist. We're getting a couple of decent. We got a couple of decent balls in, and Newell's chance. Both of Newell's chances came from decent balls and from the byline, sort of ricocheting about, getting cleared. And Newell had the two shots in the second half just before the um, the third goal for Celtic. So uh, yeah, it's a tough one. Um, nobody was horrible. I didn't think nobody played really badly. It was just one of the good days where there wasn't anything really stand out for Hibs on Sunday. So I'll go for Lewis Stevenson. Especially just, he's not started a game. He's been coming off the bench most weeks. And he can, I think he can consider himself pretty hard done to not be playing. Um, but Do- obviously, Doig's also been doing well. So I'll go with Lewis Stevenson. Um, we'll get that fired out on the, on the Twitter. Um, I really hope... Can, Harry- I just, can I just ask Harry who he'd like to win this week? <laughs> oh, I don't care, Nate. Well, I just want Harry to win. That's all I want. I want Harry to win. And you can take that how you think I mean it. Right, so you want me to win then? <laughs> Heard it here first. Oh dear. Well, that's the thing. He's now got sorry a double pronged attack. So I'm definitely struggling anyway. Nobody's voting for Lewis Stevenson. So we touched on it earlier, and um, there's been a couple of outgoings uh, in the last week or so. I don't think we mentioned it on previous podcasts. So we've seen that Josh Campbell has went on loan to Edinburgh City. Fraser Murray has went on loan to Dunfermline and Ben Sterling left the club. We spoke about Ben Sterling earlier. Um, Fraser Murray left with a glowing report from Jack Ross. And to be fair, you've got no reason not to believe what he's saying. So it seems like Jack Ross really believes that Fraser Murray can come back next season a much better player, having had a year under his belt at a good level. And really break into the first team next season. What what do you make of the move? It's obviously been mooted for a little while, Harry. Um, it's one of those things, yeah, I don't really like it when we loan players in and I don't really like it when we loan players out after a certain age. I think Fraser Murray was kind of on the cards when we were in the championship. So it's a bit bizarre seeing him still being loaned out and not really breaking into the first team. Um, he's one of those players that showed flashes of being good when he comes on. I'm surprised that we didn't send either Shanley or Gullen out if we're sending players like Fraser Murray out. But, yeah, it's not really too much to talk about, I don't think. Um, I think uh, all the players we've lost there, I think that maybe Murray's got the best chance of getting into the first team one day. I think Campbell, despite the scenes he caused at Carlisle, hasn't really got that much standing when it comes to the first team. So, yeah, there's not, I've not really got too much of an opinion on it because I think that Apart from Murray's probably got maybe a 50% chance of having a career at his, but Josh Campbell, I think if you're on loan at a League 2 club, you, or League 1 club now, sorry, um, you're probably not going to do too much. Yeah, it's an interesting one because Josh Campbell, 
is I, I always felt Campbell and Sterling were, were packaged together. Um, yeah. Sterling was 22 going on 23. Josh Campbell is still only 20. Um, and he did appear to have more success on his loan spells than, than Ben Sterling last year, um, obviously at Arbroath. And it's an interesting one, though, because he has obviously dropped down to League Two. Um, is it? Yeah, Edinburgh City's League Two, aren't they? Uh, no, League One they won last year. Oh, so did they? Didn't they? No, Cove Rangers. No, they oh, Cove Rangers. Did they ever say no get promoted? Nah. Cove Rangers. Oh, no, because. Oh, it, all right. No, it's because Covid hit. Yeah. I blame Covid. So. Covid Rangers. <laughs> so obviously, he's went down to League Two. Um, which, to be fair, if I'm honest, Edinburgh City could probably beat our growth. You know what I mean? Like when there's probably not too much of a difference in standard and obviously he's still going to be able to train with Hibs and stuff like that with him being part-time. So there's maybe a chance for him. Uh, Fraser Murray, I think, definitely has a chance to come back. I know we've touched on it, but I was surprised at just how glowing a report Jack Ross gave him when he was leaving. Um, and he is only 21, I think. He has almost been a victim of his own semi-success because like you said four or five years ago he was there or thereabouts in the under Neil Lennon in championship he even scored a couple of goals but so he must have only been 17-18 at that point so it definitely feels like he's been around around a long time which is maybe testament to just how good a player he is that he's been sort of in and around the first team that long um, but yeah I don't know about Campbell um, Sterling I think the writing was on the wall for he hadn't been in any match day squads um, this season and it'll be interesting to see just how well Fraser Murray does this season in the Championship. Um, hopefully he can lead Dunfermline to winning the Championship and keeping our neighbours in misery for a little bit longer. Greg, do you have much else to add on sort of Fraser Murray or Josh Campbell's loan deals? Um, not really. I think both kind of touched on it. Um, again, I was quite surprised at just how highly Jack Ross spoke of Fraser Murray. Um, I think he is definitely in his plans. So, I think Fraser Murray might come back and have an impact in terms of Josh Campbell. I'm not sure. Um, unless he has an unbelievable season this season um, and comes back and, and gets back into pre-season and possibly plays a few friendly games for us. I, I don't think so, though. Um, based on what we've seen, I think we were at the Alloa game um start of last season. He played... Um, Seem to look okay, but maybe it's just not happened for him. Maybe he isn't going to have a, a career at Hibs, um, but you never know. But I definitely think Fraser Murray might come back and, and make an impact now, just based on what Jack Ross said, just as he was leaving to go to Dunfermline on loan. Yeah, and obviously one that we didn't touch on there, um, obviously Tom Tom James has went on loan to Wigan as well. Um, he scored an absolute raker um, for them at the weekend. And, you know, I think to start with, I felt like, oh, why, like, he's only went on loan. But if he goes and has a good six months at Wigan, then I doubt he's going to force his way into plans at Hibs. I think Jack Ross has made his mind up. But if he goes and has a good spell for Wigan in League One, someone's going to come in and League One, League Two, Championship, a couple of hundred thousand pounds is probably well within their budget and I think if he goes and has a good six months probably end up getting extended to the end of the year and then potentially actually sell him instead of just releasing him or letting him go for nothing and to be fair um, it was a pretty good free kick which is something that we knew he had in his locker 
he scored a really good goal in the League Cup last season, threatened it in a few games last year as well. But um, a player that maybe got a bit, I don't think he's good enough, but some of the criticism was a bit over the top as well. Um, do you have any thoughts on Tom James? I think he came in at the wrong time. and um, I think he got the bad end of the stick. Um, I think the system that we play now would suit him a lot more because um, he's got more cover and stuff with the centre-backs kind of supporting out wide as well. But, yeah, as you say, he hits a mean free kick. He can hit a solid volley in that, so he can be quite an exciting player at times. But I think League One, League Two England's probably about his level, so the Premier League in Scotland's probably a bit too much for him. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen it in the semi-final against Celtic. He was torn for toilet paper, to be honest. And that 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 was when you really kind of knew that he wasn't going to cut it. Um, maybe he would be better holding midfield or something like that. But we've got more than enough there to to cover. Um, but yeah, look, I think go down, put himself in the shop window, get a good move. Um, Wigan's a big club, League One. So why not go down and put yourself in the shop window and, you know, Hibs could benefit from that with, with a, hopefully get a transfer fee for him um, if somebody's willing, willing to take us take him off our hands. Yep, so that, that wraps up the outgoings. Um, obviously, the candidate, there's not been any signings, um, but in the last 24 hours, we've seen a couple of rumours linking Hibs with Kyle McGuinness, which is definitely... A substand like there looks a lot of beef to that rumour. St. Mirren obviously confirmed um, that we'd had a bid rejected, and then Sky Sports said that we had had a third bid rejected after that. And then, sort of within the hour, the Daily Record um, released a article saying that we are what was it? Mon- mon- not oh, it was a it wasn't monitoring. What was it? Uh, surveillance. We had Alan Alan Campbell under surveillance, which is quite a. a extreme term for having a look at a football player and Jack Wilson John Potter sitting inside his house making sure he doesn't go after 10 <laughs> <laughs> and every every Hibs fan me included as soon as I, as soon as you've seen it we're buzzing um, it's a player that I think everyone would be desperate for us to sing but thinking about it today it looks like the Daily Record put an article together because we're pissed off that they missed the exclusive on Kyle McGuinness like I'm not being funny every team in the country is probably surveying Alan Campbell and probably every club in the English Championship um, that being said if we can look there's no chances coming this window Motherwell will want a lot of money if they were to get rid of now um, I, I don't think we've got day funds even if we are bidding like 400k or whatever it was for McCrory and I'd imagine maybe a hundred, couple of hundred for McGuinness. I don't, Motherwell, I think, if, they, if Motherwell were to get rid of him now, I think they'd be wanting a million pounds. We're not playing, paying a million pounds for a player. When it comes to pre-contract conversations in January, I think there'll be teams that can blow us out of the water, whether that be Aberdeen or down south. So, I, Sadly, I don't think Alan Gamble will be a Hibs player. However, if he does, then I'll be absolutely delighted. What about yourselves on McGuinness and Alan Campbell? I'd, I'd be quite happy with McGuinness. <clears throat> I think Jack Jack Ross kind of touched on it. He drives forward, so maybe more like a a McGinn type player. Um, you know, in terms of Alan Campbell, I think it speaks for itself. He's been Scotland under twenty ones, scored a goal for them the other week. You know, he is a very good player. Um, 
but yeah, I think I would really like us to like to see us get McGinnis. I think you'll obviously get the usual. Um, well, Hibs are just signing St Mirren players, but I think he's a player that would that would add value to us. And you know why not push the boy and try and get him um, as long as you and Murray says it's okay. <laughs> Aye, um, I think both of those players would substantially improve our squad. And that's about all the comment I've got on it. I think it'd definitely be a good move if we get either of them in, especially Campbell. I think he's as you and touched on sought after by a lot of clubs. So if we get him in, it would be an absolute coup, and I'd love it. Yeah, I think just one final thing to put on. It's nice to see us being linked with A players. And obviously Ron Gordon and Jack Ross mentioned at the start of um sorry, at the start of the season, um, about there being a profile. And we felt like when you were seeing sort of Kevin Nisbet come in, um the profile is very clearly sort of young, some experience in the Scottish game and a player that we can move on. Yeah, Ross McCrory uh, obviously fitted that profile. Kevin is, but um, so hopefully we can get uh, these two over the line, or at least one of them, um, and go from there. So well, time will only tell with that, and time will only tell if I can claw back my current two-one deficit on Harry's High B quiz. What have you got for us this week, Harry? Hey, hello, and welcome back to the Harry High B quiz. Last week we actually had a first. We actually had two people on Twitter getting more points than Greg did after Greg wiped out all his points by trying to take points away from you. And but I am the point master. If you're new to the Harry High B quiz, um, the only rules are I make the rules as I go along. So hello and welcome to the journey. All right, first question. We'll get straight into things. So far in the season, Greg is winning two one over Ewan. But speaking of winning over people, me and Ewan, as I touched on last week, went head to head in NFL fantasy football. And Ewan was winning the entire weekend. And in the last game, I made an incredible comeback and snatched a victory out of his claws. So what is your favourite Hibs comeback? Right. Uh, my favourite Hibs comeback is... I'm going to try... Sorry to there, Ewan. But just to say for this week, we're going to mix it up. We're going to make it a quick-fire high-B quiz. So we're going to have to have quick answers from both of you. Right, can, I can I buzz in now? No, Ewan's talking. Right, right Ewan, on you go. Sorry, I'm gonna try and avoid the cup final because it's the obvious, and everything in my room is telling me to say that. I've got a fucking picture <laughs> and stuff right in front of me now. Um, my favourite, okay, my favourite comeback involving Hibs, or no, nah, cup final has to be cup final. Okay, Greg. Um, I'm actually going to go down a different route. Uh, it was at Hamden, um, was against Falkirk, a team that we all mutually hate. Um, <laughs> just just excellent. Uh, what a day that was. Seen everyone leave at half time for their toys at the pram, but yeah, nah, love it. All right, well, as I always say, I like a bit of uniqueness and stuff. You both kind of went for the two obvious answers. I also would have thrown in the 2 0 comeback at Tynecastle as an obvious answer. I'm surprised neither of you went for that one. But just because. Um, Ewan went for such an obvious answer Greg you get the opening point to start the game off so it's 1-0 to Greg second game so my hopes were really high for the Celtic game as we were going into it and we got thumped which Hibs game in your lifetime were you very confident that we were going to win and were shocked at the fact that we lost every single Edinburgh Derby yeah. in the last two or three years <laughs> uh, right Greg you go first on this one to be fair probably the one that sticks out was the last season's Edinburgh Derby at home and we got beat 3-1 I, yeah. I honestly thought we were going to wipe the floor with them eh? but 
obviously didn't happen because it's Hibs. I'm going to go for an Edinburgh derby as well. Uh, first season back up. Um, we were 19 games unbeaten or something like that. Went to Tynecastle. I was extremely confident. I was in Thailand. I was up at three in the morning. And then I seen Neil Lennon's team and shat my pants. And the team shat his pants. And Neil Lennon shat his pants. And we never seen him again. So the Rangers game on a Sunday. I'm extremely confident going into that because we were on a high. Hearts have been doing shit. And... Neil Lennon absolutely chucked it with team selection and ruined it. And he chucked himself, to be honest. <laughs> I just want to throw in some honourable mentions from myself there. Um, the first one that springs to mind, the Falkirk game, we lost 1-0. I still can't believe to this day that we never won that semi-final in which we would have played Inverness if we got through. And then also the cup final against Ross County, still in disbelief we didn't win that one. So you would have got a bonus point if you said that. But just for the bit of depth there, I like Thailand, so you and you get the point for that round. So we're going 1-1 heading into question number three. So we want quick answers, all right? We're going to do these both at the same time. So who would win in a fight? Eight baby kangaroos with Martin Boyle abilities or two pandas with Papa Gogic abilities? All right, so in your head. Eight baby kangaroos with Martin Boyle abilities or two pandas with Papa Gogic abilities. I'm going to count from three and you both need to give your answers. Okay? You ready? Yep. One, two, three. Eight pandas. Was that both pandas? No, he went pandas, I went Martin Boyles. Oh, why, why Martin Boyles? You never would be able to fucking catch them. <laughs> <laughs> my point is when he did catch him he'd punch him six foot in the ground so <laughs> you know what just for that one line Greg you take the point for that round I like it alright uh, it was good reasoning as well you know I do think it'd be difficult especially if there was eight of them to catch them but just punch them into the ground I like that so just sheer class Greg you get the point there so it's 2-1 heading into question four so I don't know, blog post in the week on the offsidescotsman.com um, about why I'm missing football so much, about the whole experience of football as opposed to the football itself. Which one thing, apart from the actual match itself, do you miss most about going to Hibs games in person? So, the guy I go to the games with and that I sit beside, he hates every single referee in the country. And every home game we sort of have a little joke the first time that he moans at the ref. And it's normally within the first, like, there's been a lot of times where the scoreboard hasn't even hit one yet. Uh, <laughs> so I, I miss that. Um, just miss sitting and losing our heads at referees and watching Hibs chucking two-goal leads. Miss it all. Um, but that is the sort of, the, not the not obvious one, the sort of just the wee inside jokes that come with it. And Greg? I miss uh, picking my granddad up at quarter past one, right? He's um, the, the drive, The drive down to Easter Road, just getting slated for every single thing I do, like driving-wise, just absolutely caned constantly. If I don't signal soon enough, if I don't turn quick enough, so I, that's, that's what I miss, because to be fair, I, I, I would quite like to to get slated on the way to the game because you'd be going to the game. Can I just add another, just another thing? Not to change my answer, but I miss watching the fucking shooting drill warm-up and no wonder we never score any fucking goals because you can't even score in the warm-up, man. Honest <laughs> to God. Like, Jesus. 
I find it funny when they get put on their left foot and they're like, what do I do now? <laughs> There's nothing better than when you see an away fan get sconed in the head and they drop their pie or their bovel or that. That is the highlight of football itself. Can't even knock it. But as I was going to say before, I was rudely interrupted by Ewan. Um, I do like both those answers. I think they're both quite cute and sentimental. It's the type of thing I was going for because the thing I was trying to get across is I don't miss football for the football. Obviously, I do miss it for that. But I think... It's a lifestyle, it's an adventure when you go to the football every week and it's amazing. And I think it's those wee things that are part of your day that kind of make the whole match day experience so important. So you've both got a point for that round. I don't think I can, both your answers were as good as each other's for that one. So you've both got a point. So going into question five, we are sitting at Ewan with two and Greg with three, I think. Is that how we're sitting? Yeah. Aye. Yeah. Right, we'll go for that anyway. All right, so we've got another um, 3 two, one question. Would you rather field an entire team of Kevin Nisbets or an entire team of Ryan Porteous's, including goalkeeper? So 11 men on the field, every single one of them Ryan, Kevin Nisbet or every single one of them Ryan Porteous. All right, so I'm going to count down. I'm going to count up to three, and on three, just give your answer. Capiche? Yep. Right. One, two, three. Kevin Porteous. Oh, different answers again. All right, why Kevin Nisbet? He's shown that he can put his foot in and he's shown that he can play left wing. He's sort of played off the left, he's played off the right, he's played up front. He's six foot odd, so he would be okay in goals. He's not too small to play in goals. He's a tad bit more level-headed than Ryan Porteous, so there's a better chance of having 11 men for the full part of this disadvantaged game. Um, but yeah, he can put his foot in, he can play the passes, and at the end of the day, he needs to score goals to win football games. Oh, all right, and Greg? Um, just because I'd miss Ryan Porteous. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, you touched on uh, Kevin is, but we wouldn't get sent off. But Ryan Porteous has a different level to his game where he's not as rash, which in some games is unfortunate. Um, could you imagine Ryan Porteous as a goalie? getting away with absolute murder um, <laughs> there would be Jaws lying about the penalty box so for me it's got to be uh, Ryan Porteous so imagine him as a goalie wow alright well you were one step off of clinching this week but you didn't mention how good Ryan Porteous would be at trash talking Greg so I'm going to give the point to you and just so we go to the deciding question so we're going through, we're going to the bonus question. All right, so again, we're having one final three to one. It's our regular, or one, two, three, sorry, for our final question. This one, you just have to say off the top of your head at the same time. I'm not going to give any description. If you didn't ken the word, you're just going to have to make it up as you go along. Are you ready for the question? Yeah. Yep. Who is the biggest huddy Hibs of Hud in our lifetime? The biggest huddy of our lifetime. One. Two, three. Joe Eduardo Hurtado. <laughs> Who are you saying, Ewan? I said Joe Keenan. Joe Keenan? Who's that? Exactly. I'll Terrible tell you football who he player. Is. Terrible. I'll, I'll tell you who he is, right? So, he signed for us, I believe, under Mixer Pat Linen and continued to play for us under John Hughes. Um, <laughs> and the reason he stands out is he is... He never scored a goal for Hibs, and he is the owner of a the worst miss in Matt that it just always sticks out. It was St Mirren at home. Um, we won the game. We were I think we were two two 0 up at a time. Um, it was comfortable, 
ball's been cut back. Joe Keenan is running on it, absolute tap in, but genuinely six yard box, if not closer, <laughs> and he skied it in a uh, almost top tier of set, uh, top tier of famous five. What? And Greg? Um, well, where to where to start? To be honest, um, I've I've seen articulated lorries turn quicker <laughs> than this boy. He oh, it was just dreadful. He was a striker. Don't know if he had any football ability at all. Um, just seemed to be there as a, a battering ram, really. And he wasn't even very good at that. Slow, couldn't score. Just oh, awful. Just such a heart sign, isn't it? Like, <laughs> you would fully expect him to sign for hearts and get a game in. He was that bad. And he was that much of a hoodie. Alright, so just on the basis... Uh, for me, a huddy is your likes of Shefki Kuchi, your Conte up front, just your big, massive guy that doesn't really do anything, but he's just kind of big and he's on the pitch because of his height and his size. And for that reason alone, I think in terms of ticking that box, I'm afraid to say, Ewan, you've lost once again. Greg, you get the victory this week. So it is 3-1 to Greg on the season. Final score, 4-3. Let us know what your favourite question was and answer that question and you could be in for a bonus point. If you get five bonus points, you could potentially win this week. You never know. So let us at us on Twitter, down the slope one, and let us know what your favourite question was and what your answer would be to that question. And with that, absolute disgrace again. You know what's a disgrace last week when he won? <laughs> That is us this week. Um, make sure to catch our Matty Jack special. Um, that's out already, so make sure you're make sure you're listening to that. Um, really good chat that me and Greg had with, with Matty um, a couple of weeks ago now, and we've also got an interview with Joe Tortolano, which everyone's aware of because we sort of gave the listeners the option, and Harry was with us for that one as well. So we'll probably get that released over next week or something as well. Probably something to tick over in the international break alongside the League Cup games. So, thanks a lot for joining us again, boys. We've obviously got another very special interview to record tomorrow, um, which we'll get out very soon as well, which we're all absolutely buzzing for. But thanks a lot, Harry and Greg. Thank you very much.